Hello, sexy nerds of the Nerd Imperium. Welcome to this week's episode of the Currently Nerdy Podcast. We are your inner conclave of nerdum. My name is Diz, and I am your pop culture and sports nerd, Ali. I am Ali, your classic nerd. And I'm V, I'm your comic book nerd. You know, I always like wonder what stuff we kept from the original. I know I talked about it last week, but inner conclave, I like that, you know? I, I think I came up with that inner conclave. Yeah, like, I don't, I, I wonder if a lot of our listeners know what it means to be like an inner conclave because the conclave is what picks the Pope, right? Yeah. The conclave is a, is a council of uh, religious leaders usually and bishops, cardinals, etc., to deal with the Pope. We got a bunch of fucking Muslims and a Buddhist on here <laughs> calling themselves a conclave. I like that. There's some I mean, am, I really, that. am I really a Buddhist though? At the end of the day, I mean, I you're, ma- Satanist. you're making some assumptions. Yeah. Am I really a Muslim? Yeah, uh, we had a. I mean, the podcast has evolved over the years, and that's yeah. the point, right? Is that it's it's a grown, it's evolved as we've refined who we are uh, as people, who we are as a podcast. But how are you all doing? It's been a while, it's been a week. Dude, it's it's fucking hot as shit. I feel like I've lost like six pounds of water weight over this like, past weekend. How hot is it over there? Like it's extremely hot. Um, it's, it's not only- that honestly. It's it's the humidity is right now is fucked up in California. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's like it's like pushes ninety, but like you get some pretty bad humidity here. But oh, I mean, sure. I imagine Philly's pretty bad too. No, no, not at all. Quite the opposite. Oh, really? It's it's SoCal weather over here. Yeah, dude. Wait, it's seven. I'm- it's as we're recording. It's seven fifty, right? Mm-hmm. So the sun's down. It's seventy nine degrees with fifty five percent humidity. Oh Jesus, that's, that's yeah, that's bad. pretty muggy. That's unusual for SoCal for people who don't live in Southern California. Southern California has a very dry heat. It's uh, uh, different from from the sort yeah. of Mediterranean. We were in that regard. originally a desert out here, yeah. so yeah, it's a desert that's been manufactured into an oasis. Over here, I had my first uh, East Coast thunderstorm, summer thunderstorm. That was kind of nice and and relaxing. And then the weather has been. I think for the past it was it was hotter when I got, arrived, definitely without a doubt. And Philly is a lot harder than where I am. A little, I'm a little bit closer to the forest, so it's a little nicer. Uh, um, but no, it's been it's been at the most 70, 75 degrees mm. with little humidity and nice breeze. It's been gorgeous. Very yeah, no, we, very SoCal. No breezes here right now, man. It's just been shit. But yeah, man, that's my that's the one. The, the summer thunderstorms are one of the things I hated the most about the East Coast because oh, they just fucking it. come out of nowhere. You know, like it'll just be like a nice sunny day and all of a sudden you just hear like thunder and boom, it just fucking hits. And What's a nice change from from not having rain ever. I mean, SoCal is a disastrous in that regard. It's like there really isn't any rain and thunderstorms are so so rare. I'll probably get tired of them. Once oh, it's going to be a couple, shit ton. Once I've had like a full summer here. I haven't experienced a full summer of only a few weeks. So maybe once I've had a full summer, I'll probably get tired of it. But right now I've actually enjoyed it. The one thunderstorm we've had. So that's been kind of interesting. The world seems to be on fire as we're talking. We've got a massive uh, hurricane Dorian that has uh, hit uh, the Bahamas and utterly decimated it. Mm. Uh, category five hurricane. I think it's been reduced now though to category two. And moving now up along the East Coast. It's one of those things. And while this is all happening, of course, the right wing 
jackasses are attacking Greta, the young 16, 15 year old uh, climate change activist. It's one of those things that you just kind of you, you look at the, the history of extreme weather and five of the largest hurricanes in world history have happened yeah. in the past five years. Yeah. Literally unheard of category five level hurricanes. And you, and you look at, at shit like that and then you hear <laughs> right wing talking yeah. points about how climate change isn't real and how willing they really are to attack the 16 year old, 15 year old you know, girl, because she happens to be an activist for climate change. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Well, it's because we don't then, own enough guns, Ali. That's why. Yeah, apparently. We had a, another mass shooting, right? Uh, and In Odessa? In Odessa, Texas, yeah. of course. Well, welcome to America. And while America's shooting itself up, Britain seems to be dissolving. <laughs> before <laughs> yeah, our no, very seriously. So uh, I'm going to talk really briefly about this because uh, V and I are Anglophiles a little bit. And yeah, I read I the whole thing about Boris Johnson this morning. Is that what you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, oh, yeah I've been. Yeah. Uh, I've. I've. Been, I spend most of my time in England. I think this is the first year I haven't been to england yet uh, i think we're not going to say it is let's not mention it is yeah let's not mention it <laughs> let's not even say it let's not well, mention it, it. i do I, I spend quite a bit of time there so anyways what, what's happened is that the for a few years now this brexit issue has been going on in a couple of years and brexit's a big deal because it's it's highly contested and there's a significant number of people who don't want it, but there's a certain level of elites who have joined forces with a with kind of working class, slightly more xenophobic, uh, right wing little Britainers, little little you know Englanders, uh, who really want this to happen. And so there's been tensions. Like on one side, people are like, yeah, you're not allowed to do this. On the other side, they're like, well, we're going to go through it whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. And now they've come to this point where. It's so frustrating for them to even disentangle themselves or so complicated to disentangle themselves from the EU that they've reached the point that it is possible that they will leave the EU without a deal. That's somewhat disastrous because it means the British economy will tank. There's even questions like, will there be food shortages, etc. So today there was going to be a vote to deal with this no deal Brexit issue. And the hope was Boris Johnson, who is the new prime minister there, a man who has ever so cunningly positioned himself, waited patiently while he screwed over Theresa May so that he can step in. Yeah, really kind of brilliantly Machiavellian in that regard. Didn't uh, we use one of his um, his sayings for Yeah, the art? protoplasmic yeah. gelatinous or whatever. Yeah. He's a uh, he's he's old Etonian uh, uh Briton. So he's he's got he's very fond of classical language and he's quite interesting. He's an odd figure. Um but he had this moment where the this this issue was brought up before uh, uh, Parliament, and he had his uh, uh, agent, if you will, or his front bencher, as they call him, Jacob uh, Reese Moss, or something like that, or Jacob Moss Reese, which is a wonderful Bond villain name. And if you look at him, like he's come straight out of a Bond villain. Where is it? You just just look him up right now, like the image of him. You're like, oh shit, yeah, Bond, Bond villain. So he 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 gave this speech to rally the Tories in order to get a mm-hmm. the vote that they were hoping for, but he was so horribly condescending, <laughs> like just like the, at the same time that he was talking, I think twat was trending on Twitter. Oh my God. <laughs> so he was so horribly condescending that twenty Tories defected. <laughs> 
What, Wait, for what? the first time in history, one Tory defected live, meaning we literally saw him on TV get up from the Tory side and move over to the Lib Dem side. Then for the first time in, in I think, since 17-something, a prime minister has lost his very first vote and a majority within his first uh, meeting of parliament. So Boris Johnson is in a disastrous state. He lost the vote. 20 of his uh, members of Tories voted against him. And so now he's ejected those 20 members, removed them from the whip. At the same time, not only has he rejected them, but now he's lost his majority. So he's going to need to come up with another tactic to, to kind of get his legislative agenda forward. So Britain is literally falling apart at the seams while America is shooting itself up and being drowned in hurricanes. Welcome to 2019. Mm-hmm. All you future people who are listening into us from Mars, you know, they're going to find some, I don't know, some computer database somewhere and it's going to be currently Mirti's audio recording. Yeah, from, and it's weird. In the 2000s. I don't understand English politics very well, honestly. Like, it's, I mean, American politics is messy. British politics is like on another level of messy. Yeah, because I figured, you know, they have they have a couple thousand years on us, right? So there's all sorts of entanglement and bullshit. And, you know, like, uh, what's it? Uh, Nigel Farage is, you know, dipping his nuts yeah. and everything, too, in a really weird way. But yeah, that is, uh, it's, it's, it's always fun to see, you know, um, you know, right-wing politics destroying the world, right? Like, I mean, I mean, that's literally what we're living through. Yeah, you have like, to explain the 2000s. Like, if I, if I, if I was in, you know, heaven forbid, I was an American history teacher. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. so it's the worst thing I could be. <laughs> no offense to my American wow. colleagues. But yeah. if I was an American history teacher, right, and had to teach the history of the 2000s, that would be the subtitle, right? Yeah. Uh, right-wing yeah. governments destroy the world. That's literally all the only thing you can do to explain, I mean, from Syria to Iraq to the EU to the migrant crisis to uh, the war on terror, global warming, mass shootings. How else? I mean, the, the wall, uh, detention camps and concentration camps in the U.S. This is literally the right wing government ru- <laughs> ruining yeah, the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look. Speaking of global warming and hurricanes and all that. This is going to be an interesting segue. I just want to see and, where this is and going. And Texas. Um, did I ever tell you guys my favorite Hurricane Harvey story? No. The what? Okay. Hurricane Harvey. The one that happened in Texas like two years ago? Mm, yeah, yeah, I remember. I know which one. Yeah. The one that flooded all of Texas. Yeah. Okay. So um, in the Houston area, there's a heavyweight fighter in the UFC named Derek Lewis who goes by the Black Beast. Mm. Um Honestly, if you don't follow this guy on Instagram, you're missing out. He is literally one of the funniest people online. Mm-hmm. Um, so Derek Lewis, during the hurricane, he has this big-ass truck. So he was going around Houston saving people. Like, oh, literally, no like, yeah, saving people from floods, oh, right? Wow. Like, he just he spent, like, three or four days just driving around the city, picking people up, putting them on his truck, and taking them to shelter. And um, he shared a story about a guy who he was he like saw stranded who was sitting there with like a confederate flag around him right? <laughs> Jesus. and like imagine like you're stranded in this flood and like your only sign of help is this 275 pound like giant black dude and you're like just wrapped around in a confederate flag so um did he rescue him is the question D- derek lewis rolls down the window and says 
you could come, your flag can't. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did the guy leave the flag? The guy had to leave the flag. And he just made him look foolish. So like his flag got like drifted away. And like it's it's just hilarious that like of what's the iron it's it's just ironic that the one person that's come to save you is this like big black dude and mm-hmm. you have like this fucking racist flag just draped over you. Mm-hmm. And the only way that you could get in the car is if you let go of that flag. Oh Jesus. I love it. Love it. That was uh Derek Lewis is uh I mean he's funny as fuck. You know, he, he yeah. has some problematic language himself sometimes, but it's not a, well, not like, not yeah. problematic. Like he, he makes some weird statements and I think it's not like, it's more out of kind of being ignorant than it is out of being like hateful, which isn't an excuse, yeah. but like, so like he beat up this guy named Travis Brown. Travis Brown is married to Ronda Rousey. Right. And, um, like he hit him a couple of times, like before the ref stepped in, like Travis Brown was already knocked out and you're supposed to not stop until like the ref pulls you off. But a lot of guys will stop if you're already knocked out. Right. Cause it's like, mm. just kind of like, like the, the sportsman thing to do, but he kept hitting him until the ref came in and he's like, yeah, I hit him a few more times. Cause that guy likes to beat on girls. Oh, like, We're Ronda Rousey fine ass set. So then like, after he said he likes to beat on girls, he's like, he asked about his fiance because they're married now at the time they were like, like engaged. So like that was kind of problematic. It was it was kind of problematic, but he's like, I'm beating this dude because he's like, this guy's not a real man. He likes to well, beat I mean, on women. It's the UFC. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> and then I, I, he I took, don't expect much from the UFC. I'll be honest yeah, with you. He took his shorts off after he won a fight once, right? <laughs> and like Joe Rogan's like, hey, why'd you take your shorts off? He's like, my balls was hot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> be- so... <laughs> Yeah, Derek Lewis. So he's, uh, like the thing is, though, you know, I think he says what a lot of people are thinking half the time, uh, which is neither here nor there. But, you know, uh, I mean, you expect this out of I mean, obviously, Ali, you expect this out of out of the UFC because you think it's barbarism and whatnot. But um, I think it's also important because, uh, you know, uh, we don't actually see a lot. of. I mean, there are obviously accusations of all sorts of fucked up behaviors on on the behalf of fighters, but. For the most part, I, I think did you can test this. For the most part, most of the fighters seem to live pretty boring lives outside of fighting in the cage. Yeah, you have a couple like names like Conor McGregor and shit who just like want to stir up controversy. You know, he's gonna go and punch old men at the bar. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I, I was it was one of those things where I'm just like, everyone was like, "Oh man, we got we got to end, we got to stop with Conor McGregor. I'm no longer a fan. We're gonna cancel him." So I'm like, on the same note, it's like. Did you expect anything else? Yeah, like, they really gave been, him a free pass for a long time. I mean, he they've incentivized him being uh, a violent criminal for ages. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. As long as like you could put it on a UFC promo, they were okay with him doing whatever. Like it, it was fine as long as you could put it on like a promotional vignette or like a promotional video for like that's going to hype up the fight. But it was like it was the first time in Connor's UFC career since or since he got big that something that he did like made people be like all right this this is where we draw the line right him saying dance for me boy to Floyd Mayweather or calling you know calling him a juice head monkey and like calling Muslims like ragheads or Mm -hmm. making fun of Khabib Nurmagomedov's wife saying that like she's probably a goat underneath the the burqa like all that was okay but when he punched an old white man at a bar that's when it was too far yeah you know I mean you never I mean the thing is uh, you know out you know being outrageous having out you know that type of thing I mean 
you know, it's it's great until it's too much, too outrageous, right? Like there's always, and the thing is, people are really tolerant of that stupid bullshit for a really long time, mm-hmm. especially if you're, you know, if you're a particularly charismatic person. Um, but the why, the reason why I brought it up though was that you know, like, despite the fact that the UFC has a bunch of people punching each other in oblivion, right? I mean, we have um, there are other subcultures that have even more kind of toxic. I feel like toxic people that kind of create even mm. more controversy than the guys who are punching at yeah. each other a lot of the time. You know, like, uh-huh. for example, being uh, uh, gaming. You know, I mean, we, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, we're not, I, I play games. I don't play a lot of games. You guys aren't really gamers, but, you know, we keep up with this stuff because it's part of, it's part you of know, our culture, our, our, right? Like, it's. Yeah, our community overlaps with the gaming community. Absolutely. And I'm sure we have, you know, I know, I know Jonathan's a Red Dead Redemption player, or he was anyway. I don't know if he still plays it or not, but we have, a, you know, some people who really big into the culture and gaming is some, is how they connect with other nerds. Right. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I'd have to say, you know, I, gaming also, you know, seems to kind of breed some of the worst personalities, you know, like mm. I don't think I think it's that like it's weird. It's that like it's that competitiveness, you know, kind of mixed in with this weird like resentment towards especially like women that creates mm, yeah. a, a, just a really weird environment that's that's toxic and dangerous and, you know, really like it, it's disgusting. Right. Like there's a there is a. Uh, underbelly to gaming that is just so grotesque in my opinion you know that yeah. you can't I, you can't always i can i can never always uh identify my even though i like to play games i can always i can never really identify myself as being part of that culture at all yeah. well, it's, it's hard for the gaming to- culture the gaming culture can be beautiful sometimes and there's a lot of really good components of it but i think really the game the, the internet age has really brought into highlight and underline just how ugly the gaming community can be particularly with the rise of 4chan and twitter and social media i mean it's it's bad yeah and i mean that's not even you know and you're looking at uh you know this i mean this has started you know we talked about this years ago you know with uh, with gamergate and all that stuff too but like you know just this past weekend you know there was a game developer um named alec i don't don't pronounce it is it haloka i think it's haloka right he's a uh, yeah. Canadian uh, indie game developer who you know he won a bunch of awards and stuff and you know he was known for making the, a couple indie games uh, Night in the Woods Aquaria amongst other things you know and he was kind of considered a pretty big name in the indie gaming developing community and you know uh, his sister has said that he committed suicide um, oh, you know and that came uh, just after allegations by another game developer named Zoe Quinn who had accused him of all sorts of abuse you know, while, mm-hmm. you know, while she was, I guess she was living with them or something like, uh, you know, they were in, she was, uh, they were living together and they were in a relationship, you know, talking about all sorts of, uh, you know, abusive language and, you know, uh, making it so she couldn't leave the house, locking her out when she left, you know, like, right. uh, you know, some, there's some physical abuse there that I really don't want to get into also that she made accusations of. And, uh, you know, in any situation, like when you hear, when you hear these experiences from a victim, the hell is that? Sorry, my phone went off. I thought I put it on silent. It didn't go on silent. Not only did it go off, but now it's got like music. What did the hell? Yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on. Sorry, it just. I thought I turned did, it did off. You just turn it off now. Did you just womp womp my, my my women being abused no. thing. No, the stupid fucking thing just went off. I don't know why it went off. That's super weird. There's Lewandowski over here. 
Womp womping me. Oh, oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah, so was, continue, please. Okay. Uh, <laughs> man, okay, that was that was weird. Uh so you know, we're in a situation here where, you know, he got accused and now he's dead. Right? And yeah. You know, um, and this also came uh, you know, uh just on this on the kind of on the coattails of another accusation by this woman named Natalie Lawhead who accused uh game developer jeremy soul who worked on uh i think gears of war uh of, of rape right and of, of sexual assault as well you know so and this was all kind of put on the public forum and now what's going on with this is that people who already don't like zoe quinn because of things that happened during gamergate which we'll elaborate on in a little bit yeah, yeah. um are yeah. going after her again because because they somehow decided that because she came public with this that she's the reason why he's dead right and of course right. they discount her experience uh with yeah, yeah. with uh Hawoka, right and you know uh, it, it's it's really weird because even his sister eileen uh was talking about how it had nothing to do with zoe you know like and how right. and how he said in his own words that he wants nothing but the best for her and now they're going right. after her for right. for backing up well, Zoe Quinn, you've got multiple intersections of things going on here. First, you have uh, abuse, right? And it's not just a matter of Zoe Quinn, uh, who does have a bad reputation, and in all honesty, has a bit of a reputation for other kind of scandalous yeah. things, right? She's not exactly the most honest of people. But that said, you know, this is a person who who had very took a huge risk. Zoe Quinn did to come out and and really explain what happened to her, knowing full well that she was going after someone with a platform, going someone who was beloved in the community, and that she would face backlash for it. So that's that's what takes a lot of courage. And that's often forgotten about in these scenarios where people jump to vilify the victims. So you have instances of, of abuse, but it's not just Zoe Quinn that came forward, but other women have stated very clearly that, oh, Alec had done this to them as well. Yeah. But you also had uh, a level of emotional manipulation here that's now somewhat come true is that he did threaten, it seemed to be, uh, whenever these women, uh, you know, decide, you know, considered even coming forward, he would threaten suicide. Yeah. Um, and so this was a, a level of emotional manipulation. But then you also have the intersection of mental health here. Um, this is a person who was very clearly deeply troubled, or a person who was very deeply unhappy, obviously, uh, and 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 took their own life. And so the, all of this leads to a really messy, toxic environment. The issue is that people are using this and weaponizing it against the people who have come forward against Alex. So Zoe Quinn is being targeted by people left and right, mm -hmm. even though... Alex's own sister said so. Alex's friends have been, you know, like even though there's an overwhelming level of evidence, it's being used to rehash these culture wars. And that's the problem that we've got here is that the internet has become, particularly the gaming community, I think, has become really the site of these culture wars. The kind of opening salvo, if you will, yeah. of it is the Gamergate. Now, Gamergate is, is, is not really that important important of a thing but people are going there are gamergate participants themselves like to build it up bigger than it was like oh that's the beginning of the civil war yeah, and you just don't know it stupid shit like that to make themselves feel better yeah. the issue at gamergate is is kind of multiple levels there is a, a component of uh, ethics in game journalism that they supposedly claim 
But the underlying undercurrent of it all was always misogyny towards women. It was about weaponizing and attacking women in the community. Not all women, but women that didn't fit within the expectations of the gaming community. This is something that the gamers and the uh, the people at the Gamergate never were willing to admit. They're like, oh, well, there are other women that we don't target. Yes, because those women don't get in your way. Those women don't have an opinion that you disagree with. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that you're attacking people who disagree with you, that you have an issue with, that is evidence of the misogyny. You're not misogynistic to the people you like. Yeah, yeah, you know? of course. That, that's what they're not understanding, right? And so uh, someone quite beautifully put it that if you genuinely cared about ethics and journalism, that you should be angry that your concerns were co-opted and weaponized in this much uglier cultural clash. And what we're seeing fundamentally is a group of very privileged people, generally white young males, who because of their own circumstances, generally because they live really mediocre, underwhelling lives, who didn't reach the epic of uh, that is promised to them in in the sort of assumptions of privilege. They don't go on to become wealthy. They don't become famous. They end up becoming kind of middle management. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are kind of some you know wannabe game developers, but they never quite make it. Things along those lines. That most of those people have a deep seated resentment, and that deep seated resentment is targeted not at their circumstances, but on people who they think have kept them from success or enjoyment or fulfillment generally women, minorities, people of color, other people, right? This is why a lot of this Gamergate movement also targeted things like uh, multiculturalism and diversity. Yeah. Not just women, but yeah, progressivism as well. Progressivism. Yeah. These all became kind of sites of cultural conflict. And so the games were really just the battlefield. That was just the place where it was all happening the reality that this was much more about a sort of reactionary movement and reactionary politics is the politics of the 2000s the politics of social media is reactionary Mm. um we can argue that the evidence there is pretty overwhelming in that regard but gamergate became this galvanizing moment for this community. They saw it as, look, we can really harass people out of existence. That's how Milo got big. That's how Milo got big. A lot of these kind of right-wingers started there. Uh, Ian Miles, whatever his name is, right? He, I forgot his, name, his full name. That that dude, right? The Indonesian guy. That mm-hmm. he, All of them came out of that same moment, that same instant. And for them, it was a chance to kind of really strike out at the people that they thought was keeping them from either success or happiness or the resentment that they felt towards the people. There was a good sub, there was also a really strong, strong, I think, uh, component of, of, uh, personal resentment yeah, yeah. too, not just social resentment but personal resentment these were people who eventually sh- offshooted into the incel community mm-hmm. right people who couldn't get dates or whatnot and so there were the resentment was very much personal and social the gaming community just happened to be where it all took place and and the reality is that we're seeing it today every time there's an instance like Alec or or another, they're going to jump on the bandwagon. Even the Me Too movement, now they're looking for any opportunity or excuse to say, oh, well, look, the Me Too movement has gone too far. Yeah. When in reality, it's gone nowhere. That's true. I mean, it's not like the yeah, abuses are getting any, like there's not less abuse. Right. <laughs> and the reality is that less than a handful of people have actually been Me Tooed. Yeah, really, right. Yeah. That's true. Most of the people who've been Me Tooed continue to have pretty successful careers that is true i mean you just have yeah. to look at a guy like uh mike tyson 
Or, you know, like, I mean, there's right. other people that right. are accused of rape, right? I mean, it's not like, you know, right. plenty of room, you know, Roman Polanski's still hanging. You know, I don't care. You know, Epstein's dead, which I'm fine with. But I mean, there are still like, you know, there are a lot of people who. Sean yeah, Penn. You know, Sean, Polanski just released a video uh, or a movie that got a standing ovation at Sundance, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. At, at Cannes or Sundance? I was either Cannes or Sundance. One of them, one of these film festivals. He got a standing ovation. Oh, yes, it was Cannes. You're right, you're right, right. Yeah, because I don't think he's he's welcome in the U.S. Yeah, that's he's right. Yeah, he's in France. Um, you, you said something earlier about, like, this Alec guy being an individual with, like, mental health issues, right? And here's the thing, right? I don't want to discredit people who have mental health issues and then do things that, you know, you probably wouldn't do if you weren't dealing with those mental health issues. But I mean, I've been struggling with mental health issues my whole life. Right. And, um, I've never once thought about like abusing women or like assaulting women yeah, and that that's way. That's the key. Mental health people, people who talk about mental health in this way are stigmatizing it. Mental yeah. health doesn't mean we do the same thing with mass shooters. Oh, he was mentally ill. Guess what? There's lots of people who are struggling with various forms of mental illness and depression and they don't shoot people up. They don't go no. on these rampages and they certainly don't abuse women. And I think like the problem is, is like we give people too much of a pass sometimes with the excuse of, well, you know, like I was in a bad place in my life. Like, okay, I can understand being a bad place in your life and being like a shitty friend and like, you know, doing all that or being a shitty family member. But like, if you're in a bad place in your life, it still takes effort to be toxic and to do something violent or to do something that's going to harm someone else in the way that like this Alec guy did. And I know he killed himself and it's, it's sad that he killed himself. Right. Like I don't want to see anyone commit suicide. Right. Like it's, it's a, it's a tragedy when anyone commits suicide for the most part, unless you're fucking Epstein and we don't know if it's a suicide or not, but like, I don't, I don't want to give him that excuse because now he's dead and it's like, well, you know, he's dead now. We shouldn't speak ill of him. And he was dealing with some other stuff. That's why clearly he killed himself, but he had, other problems other than the mental health and suicidal tendencies and mental, whatnot. There is no misogyny in the DSM. Yeah. <laughs> no. There's <is> no <laughs> sexism in the DSM. I'm sorry. I, I, it just drives me nuts when people use mental illness or any of these other excuses, right? It's the, They're not excuses. Those are personal struggles that people are going with and emotional struggles that people are going with. And none of those lead to someone being misogynistic yeah. or sexist or racist or homophobic. Those things aren't mental conditions. That's just you being an asshole yeah, yeah exactly think, so stop stop fucking you know, there's a great quote by uh by a podcaster named marcus parks and he says uh what's a great quote i think is because he deals a lot of, he goes you know mental health isn't your fault but it is your responsibility you know and uh, there yeah. is uh there's a lot you know there's a lot there for people who are suffering from things right but you know it's it's yeah. you have it's one of those things where you have to work towards getting better yeah. like there's nothing like there's no right. You know, there's no, so, yeah, this, it sucks, but there's no way that you're going to, you know, you have to work towards it yourself. Right. And, w- you know, what's crazy about this is that, you know, we're, they're talking about this overcorrection and, uh, and, yeah. you know, and yeah. me too culture, whatever else. Right. And we're seeing this right yeah. now, you know, in the, in the sphere of stand up comedy, 
um you know yeah. ne- dave dave Chappelle just came out with his new netflix stand-up right and it's causing a lot yeah, of controversy right stones. because mm. you know the a lot of people now are talking about how it's like his his comedy now is a lot of blaming of victims and of you know you know really blaming kind of trans people or making fun of them and then also mm. talking about how you know that people people uh you know rehashing old old things that you've done to destroy you now or in the future you know is uh is is being weaponized and you know i read a i think it was either vice or the root but they're talking about like all how all all the wrong people are really enjoying dave Chappelle's latest stand-up which is mostly alt-right white supremacists right like you know people who you know people who are very much ingrained in that kind of gamer game culture well, I mean, I think even when, the right wing news articles are like, well, you don't have to yeah. agree with Dave Chappelle, but good for him. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. When, when, when Breitbart and uh, the Daily Caller are like hyping your stand up. Yeah. Come on, bro. Like, and look, I've listened. We are, we are the Dave Chappelle generation. Let's be clear. Yeah. We're not a bunch of old fuddy duddies or, 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 you know, Generation Z that's never heard of Dave Chappelle. We grew up with Dave Chappelle. Yeah. So don't like, don't come at us. We literally, our high school years, was the beginnings of meme culture was Dave Chappelle. Yeah, Fuck I'm Rick your James, couch. Bitch. I'm Rick James. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. That was us. That was our generation. You couldn't walk the halls of our high school without hearing someone make reference to Dave Chappelle. It was like in our language. And V can attest to this, right? Like this is our, this was our thing. The reality is this. I've listened to his past special. Dave Chappelle was hilarious back in the day, yeah. right? But Dave mm-hmm. Chappelle hasn't aged well. And that's not an indication that we've become more sensitive. People's tastes change. You grow, you learn, you evolve. And the reality is that some comics grow and evolve and they remain funny and hilarious and insightful and incisive. And some comics don't. In the case of Dave Chappelle, he went from being the guy that walked away from millions of dollars because he believed that his comedy was being used and exploited in an incorrect manner, Mm -hmm. in a manner Mm -hmm. that was racist. He openly says that. He walked away from millions of dollars only to come back and do specials punching down at vulnerable communities. Yeah, he's the same guy who didn't take the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump because he thought that it was kind of a racist character, yeah, right? Because right, he, so. he was the first pick. Yeah, he was the first pick for it. And he's like, no, I don't want to I don't want to degrade like other black people by taking this character and like making right. like a caricature of black yeah, people. Yeah, I think the, he went from being a guy who was incisive about stuff like that to a guy who is, because he's facing a little bit of backlash, now lashing out at marginal and, and vulnerable communities. Yeah, I mean, it's really no different. I mean, you see guys like aziz ansari right you know these, yeah. these are we talked about stand-up comedians who you know seemed like allies and then the second the the kind of the microscope got turned on them became mm-hmm. kind of you know themselves kind of became uh people who criticized the movement right aziz ansari being one of them louis ck being a huge part of it right and then recently sarah silverman who you know a photo of her and uh you know blackface kind of showed up and people were you know criticizing she lost some some stuff over that and you know people who are this kind of anti-pc you're talking about how Mm -hmm. the left is eating itself right or cannibalizing itself but at the same time you know like uh or you know while at the same time people you know she's talking about her regret for it but she's also all of a sudden now talking about how same thing with aziz talking about how the the movement is overcorrecting itself 
right? Like how they're defending their position by saying, well, you know, we were allies to you, but because you turned it on us, now you guys are going too far. I think we've seen this with yeah. all these people. You know, the, Dave Chappelle is he's on Sorry Silverstone and and Louis C.K. Right? If you're unwilling to address, if you're unwilling in any way, shape, or form to give up some aspects of your privilege, then you're not an ally. Mm-hmm. That's what an ally means. An ally doesn't mean that you get to, you know, put your fist up in the air and say solidarity when it's convenient for you. It means that you will face discomfort and you will face some difficulties and your privilege may get chipped away a little bit in order to create a more equitable society. That's what being an ally means. If you get called out for being racist, you go, oh man, you guys have gone too far because you dared to turn on me. That's not people turning on you. That's people being principled. Yeah, okay. Look, I agree uh, completely, right? with with everything that's been said like you if you've said something you should be held accountable for it um but i and i i don't i don't know how to say this without kind of sounding like an asshole we've expected right? it from you already and yeah uh, that's true but i think sometimes we like we jump the gun right it, it doesn't happen often right and i the thing is, is like i don't i don't want to sound like one of those people like well don't always believe like the, the victim or the person that's accusing because we should, right? But I think sometimes like, okay, so in the case of like Taylor Swift a few years back, right? Like Kanye posted some stuff about, about Taylor Swift and how she was actually okay with him like referencing her in a song or something, right? And like, I think like Kim, Kim Kardashian posted that stuff out after like they recorded a conversation of her like unknowingly, which is kind of fucked up in itself. But like, you know, we were like, yeah, fuck Taylor Swift for, you know, being okay with it. And then saying that she wasn't okay with it. You know, we should cancel Taylor Swift. And it turns out that fucking Kanye West is actually just an asshole. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we're like, uh, maybe Taylor Swift wasn't that much of an asshole mm-hmm. or, um, fucking Omar and Ghazal's favorite, like vine celebrity brother nature. He was mine right? too. The guy who... And he's not a vine celebrity. He was a Instagram celebrity. Yeah. Well, that guy, right. Who, you know, he goes around feeding animals and shit, right? Like, you know, he, he names random deer and like all these other animals and everybody eats. I guess when he was 12 years old, right? Because he got popularity when he was 20. But when he was 12, he had made some racist tweets. Yeah. And it, they they uncovered the racist tweets. And before like he could, you know, like come out and even speak about it or own up to it, you know, he was just getting like a shit ton of backlash and like hate for it. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like we were quick to judge him from when he was 12. I understand like if you're 30, Mm -hmm. you know, and you said some shit and then when you're 40, that shit gets uncovered, Mm -hmm. like you were old enough to have known better. But like at that point, like, hey, he was literally a child, right? Like he said some dumb shit when he was 12 years old. Like, like, yeah, he probably didn't know any better back then or maybe he did, but still he was 12. You know, he doesn't understand the repercussions of his words back then. Um, And then you had the whole thing with like James Gunn, right? Like. James Gunn made some jokes about pedophilia, mm-hmm. right? And, which isn't okay, but like, you know, at the time it wasn't like, at the time it wasn't looked down upon as much as it is now. Well, right? here's the and thing then, with James Gunn. The James Gunn situation is actually perfectly illustrative of, of why this critique is a little bit flawed. Cancel culture, first of all, doesn't exist, right? Whatever people are calling cancel culture what they mean is the internet reacting. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. always been like, that way. 
people have reacted since the since the internet has existed, since social media has existed, in the format that it does now, this has been a thing. That's not unique to cancel culture. There's a boycott mm-hmm. against Walmart going on right now and trending on Twitter because Walmart says that it's going to do something about the guns that it sells and the ammos that it sells. Right? That's just the nature is that people see something without a without context and they respond to that without the context. That is the nature of the internet culture itself. That, however, is being associated uniquely with cancel culture. It's not uniquely cancel culture. That's the internet. You got a problem with that fix the fucking internet make people more literate when it comes to the internet and make people more literate when it comes to things like understanding context and reading as subtext etc that's an internet problem the second thing is that when people talk about cancel culture what they're generally talking about is the weaponization of it and it's not the left that weaponizes cancel culture it's the right that weaponizes it the right understands that algorithms pick things up james gunn was not canceled by left-wingers he was canceled by the uh, people mm-hmm. on the right, right? We came from the same group of Cernovich yeah, assholes like, yeah, Cernovich. Uh, who used that this the, the culture of the internet, the reactionary nature of the internet to cause an uproar. When people say cancel culture, I always hate that. I hate we, we use these words. We've allowed people to brand them. Cancel culture, political correctness. No, let's use the actual words. Mm-hmm. Accountability. What's your beef mm-hmm. with accountability, people? You've got a beef with it? That when people say, I hate uh, cancel culture, you mean you hate accountability. That's what they mean. And that's what I'm going to do for now. When people say, oh, I'll count, you know, cancel culture has gone too far, you mean accountability has gone too far. People being held no, accountable I- have gone too far. Here's the real question. The people mm-hmm. who have genuinely been hurt by cancel culture, how many are there? Not too many. I mean, let's be real. We're talking about Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle's been canceled. The motherfucker is yeah. giving a special on Netflix. Louis C.K.? Yeah. Does Louis C.K., yeah. uh, has he never been on stage ever again? No, he's still giving. He's on stage. He's still having a prominent, successful career. The problem that people are not understanding is that, quote unquote, cancel culture exists because no true mechanism of accountability exists. These are people okay. who are able to do horrible and dreadful things who face no repercussions in their lifetime, who face no yeah. real consequences, who continue, who have what? A couple yeah, days of bad press? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then they just move on. That's the reality of it. Cancel culture is just powerless people trying to vent publicly. That's all it is. No, okay. I, I get that, but... There, there should be room, right? If if you're gonna hold someone accountable, and I think, like looking at um Dan Harmon, right? Dan Dan Harmon's like the uh, the case that I like to give for for most, mm-hmm. like because so, Dan Harmon did some fucking horrible shit, right? right? But he admitted that he did some horrible shit. He talked about why it was wrong that he did it, how like he's not gonna do it anymore, and you know like he he owned up to it, right? We gave him that chance. I don't think the Dan Harmon like accusation got as big as like the Louis C.K. accusation or like even the Aziz Ansari accusation, but he was given a chance to hold himself accountable, right? Mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't give people a chance to hold themselves accountable. Yeah, I don't, I, and I don't then, agree with that in any way, shape, or form. I'll, and I'll, I'll tell you why. This feeds into the language of cancel culture going too far. Me too. It's gone nowhere. Cancel culture. No, 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 I don't think. Here's the thing: Dan Harmon is a perfect example of cancel mm. culture working. 
he mm-hmm. only admitted that stuff because he was called out on it because it was there was a yeah. moment of public accountability and when the moment of public accountability came what did he do he stepped up don't get me wrong there's still a lot of problems with Dan Dan Harmon he's not off the hook but at the very least he had a moment of going okay this is the problem. I'm being called out on it. I'm going to address it. There was a moment of not accountability, but of at least self-reflection. In the case of other celebrities who have been called out by so-called uh, cancel culture, Louis C.K., uh, Dave Chappelle, Aziz Ansari, what did they do? They doubled down. Cancel, okay. The issue with cancel culture is not that it's gone too far. The issue with cancel mm. culture is that it doesn't work. It's, it's no. not successful enough. Yeah. And and I agree, right? I because like we look at things like you know like we're supposed to we were supposed to boycott H and M because of uh, the fucking shit that they posted of like the little kid wearing like the the monkey or shirt the, or like the, the little recent, black kid wearing uh, perfume commercial by what's it called with with the, uh, Christian Dior, Dior Savage right. And yeah. they they're like, oh well, we yeah. work with and Native Johnny Americans. Well, it turns out to be the the Native American group that is already associated with Johnny Depp. Yeah. So. I'm not. I'm not saying that cancel culture has gone too far. Like, don't get me wrong. And I think people like Aziz Ansari and Louis C.K. and Dave Chappelle and all these guys who've doubled down afterwards, like, are terrible, right? But I also think that we should allow people to hold themselves account, right? If they get called out and then you know they have a moment of reflection, we sh- it shouldn't just go on deaf ears, especially if they're doing the work after. To like make sure that that shit doesn't yeah, happen again. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that in principle, but I don't think that's an issue. I don't think anyone who's actually genuinely tried to do the work has been like, oh, anyone's been like, no, no, we don't accept that. That's the issue is that we the, the way we talk about cancel culture has become a caricature mm-hmm. of what it really is. People who genuinely do the work, who grow and whatnot, I mean – Literally, mm-hmm. this is a country of second chances. This is a country of underdogs. I can't find an example of someone who genuinely tried to make a difference that we didn't really accept or give a second chance to. The problem is that we give second chances mm-hmm. when they're undeserved. We give second chances when it's not even – I mean people haven't even actually made an effort to change. I mean I, we talked about, for example, last week the, the case of Pro Jared. How quickly mm-hmm. people were to ready to forgive him when he didn't do anything to apologize. The only thing he did is say, okay, well, the other people who said all that stuff is a lie. Here's my proof offering very flimsy evidence, right? But mostly poisoning the well, raising just enough questions for people to go, oh, yeah, I forgive you. The cancel, the problem of cancel culture was always twofold. Firstly, that everyone who uh, talks shit about cancel culture is missing what its actual origins are. You don't want cancel culture to exist. Great. Then build in real social accountability. If politicians stop getting away with the bullshit that they get away with, if the rich and the wealthy and the famous don't get away with the shit that they get away with, guess what? Cancel culture won't exist. It's yeah. really that simple, right? That's that is the first. There'd thing. be no reason for it to exist. Exactly, there'd be no yeah. reason for. It. But we live in a country where, like, where unaccountability is endemic to America. Yeah. I mean, literally, the prime example of this is our president. The if cancel culture exists, Trump wouldn't be president. The man has managed to fail himself all the way to the top, the most powerful office in the world, by literally going after one controversy after the next after the next without it ever once having any social impact on him. Yeah, jeez. The man's the man decided right at the beginning of his career that he's not going to rent to people of color. 
they write C on the applications for colored. He got caught out for absolute racial discrimination by the Department of Justice, which wasn't exactly known for carrying out racial justice work. And what happened? He continued doing it, right? Yeah, like, not a goddamn like, thing happened. Not a goddamn thing. So first, if if you want cancel culture to not exist, then address why it exists in the first place. And the second component of this is that cancel culture isn't successful. It's not that it's gone too far. Neither cancel culture nor the Me Too movement, the only success that they've managed to have is to raise some form of awareness, right? But in reality, they Mm -hmm. have yet to have a true impact. If these movements were as impactful as they are, as they were, and the reason why people are so uh, aggressive against both these things is because they have the potential to be so. That's the key here, right? Then, Then we might go somewhere. A real Me Too movement success would overturn and overhaul the entire uh, whole industry's worth. Yeah. It would completely abolish that uh, 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 patriarchy. And you Cancel think about, culture. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I mean, you think about the people that, that were that were affected. I mean, that ultimately were canceled by Me Too. Weinstein, you know, Epstein, you know, they're literally like. Well, Epstein very, wasn't me too. Epstein was kind of his own separate thing. Yeah, but you know, it's like I, I you know, I kind of put that in, in kind of this the same thing. There's a very specific type of person, right? And a, a lot of it is the optics of what they. I mean, you look at a guy like like Weinstein and the way that he acts and the way that he is. You're like, yeah, I could see him totally being a fucking scumbag, right? And it's easy for you to, it's easy for people and culture to turn on a guy like that, right? But yeah. when you accuse like Johnny Depp of right. of abuse, right? Or all James Franco. Exactly. All of a sudden, it's like, well, he doesn't look like someone who I think is an abuser. Let's, and, I mean, let's, be, yeah. let's be clear with, with James Franco's allegations, right? Not only is been alleg- there's Me Too allegations against him, right? Sexual assault and sexual harassment, right? But he's also very openly been caught sending nudes and soliciting nudes from underage women. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. 17-year-olds and whatnot. And yet, James Franco is still a celebrated actor, still very well. So cancel culture and Me Too haven't been nearly as successful or even – I mean, they've barely begun. They've barely scratched the surface. But because they are threatening, who do they threaten? Elites, right? Powerful, privilege. There's this immediate backlash to it. And the key to that backlash is convincing ordinary people like you and I that, yeah, cancel culture is a problem. No, the cancel culture isn't a problem. Cancel culture is a problem for you, right? Yeah. You rich fuckers. It's not a problem for the rest of us, the, the, us who are not famous, who are not celebrities, who are not privileged or whatnot. That's not our problem. That's your problem. But they're trying to convince us that it's an our problem, right? It's in our best interest that we stop. We talk about cancel culture. It's gone too far. Same thing with PC culture, right? People say PC culture. And again, I go, I, I refuse to call it PC culture. I, I, I call it respect. Yeah, What's your problem yeah. with respect? You got beef with respect? Yes, they do, because they're invested in the idea that if you have some form, if there's a real respect, that means that they can't mistreat you. That's their beef, right? I wow. got no problems with, with PC culture. Bring all the respect you want, because guess what? That means you're not using the N-word. That means you're not using uh, misogynistic language, racist language, homophobic language. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. 
That sounds like a good world to me. I mean, you're also grossly aware of your surroundings and the people you're around, right? Like, we're not, (laughs) you know, we as friends, when we all grew up together, right? You guys are family. You know, Diz, I've known you since you were a teenager. Ali, we've known you since we were, what, nine years old, right? And, like, we're not politically correct in the things that we say. We say all sorts of fucked up shit. That's the reason why we have a podcast is because we decided that we want to record (laughs) the fucked up shit that we say, right? (laughs) But, like, you know, uh, we understand, there's an understanding between all of us. Right. And it's like, but we, we wouldn't necessarily say that to some random person that just that, that we, if you, we were at a restaurant, we were at a party, we we're around people that we didn't know as well. And we understood, yeah. you know, that we kind of understand that society doesn't necessarily understand our humor or, right. you know, the things that we do. And we're not there to we're not there to make people feel uncomfortable, you know, uh, you know, around us or, you know, in that environment. Right. So we kind of we adjust the things that we say out of understanding that some people don't you know are don't know us the way that we know each other i don't i don't adjust my anything that i say to be honest with you i don't because here's the thing i am i will be i'm blunt i'm honest i'm sarcastic and i have my sense of humor is dark it's yeah. edgy dark mm-hmm. humor but guess what none of that means that i'm going to target people's uh, person uh, identities and that's the key here Right. I can make edgy jokes without being racist. I can make sarcastic jokes without being homophobic. This is what people don't understand. Right. It's like somehow they think that in order to be funny, you need to target something that is important to someone else. That You need to belittle and hurt people. That's not humor. That's being a fucking asshole. And this is what I don't get. It's like people who say PC culture. Guess what? I don't consider myself PC at all. I probably cuss more than any other professor that students have ever had. I say all sorts of things that are completely offensive on all sorts of levels, but I never, never feel like I need to punch, punch at mm. anyone's vulnerabilities, anyone's identities, or anything that they hold truly, truly sacred to themselves. That, yeah, I mean, there it's is just a difference. Not, there's a difference there. Yeah, there is and a I difference. think that's what people don't get with, with PC culture. It's literally just about respecting the basic humanity of someone else if you respect the basic humanity of someone else no big deal yeah no I mean, big deal yeah i think you've said it before where it's like uh, it's for a lot of people it's uh they want their their get out of jail free card for being cruel more than you know like there is yeah. uh you know there's you know obviously comedy is kind of hard right because there is a hard you can't always you know there's there's kind of a softened line in comedy right because the whole point of it is that you're you know, you're, you're, you're kind of, uh, you're kind of doing a send up of things. So, uh, you know, I think that's always a little bit harder to, to get right. But, you know, there, there is a point where now you're, you're just being a dick, right? Yeah. So let's, uh, I think that's really the issue right there. It's just, you know, there's, there's context also, right? George Carlin says it too. It's like words are words, right? The context of these words is also very important, yeah. right? I mean, if you're, if you're making fun of someone out of, out of malice, Right. It's a very it's kind of a very different thing than kind of criticizing something through humor. Mm-hmm. All right. Or like or like kind of ma- using exaggeration in order to kind of uh, get your point across. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I had a friend over the weekend tell me how much he hated PC culture. And I'm like, why? He's like, you know, I don't want to have to worry about the stuff that I say. I'm like, he doesn't want accountability. I'm like, I'm like, no, but then here's the thing. Right. He he thought that like. You know, like he was afraid of what he had to say. I'm like, all right, look, I'm like, here's the shit that people are going to call you out for and tell me if you do it. And then if you do, then you should be called out for it. I'm like, do you use the N word? He's like, no, man, it's, it's been a really long time since I've used the N word. I'm like, okay. I'm like, do you call like people the F word? 
And he's like, no, I don't use that either. I'm like, do you refer to women as bitches? And he's like, no, I don't do that either. I'm like, look, man, as long as you're not like trying to like hurt somebody or use words that are hurtful towards somebody, then you don't have anything to worry about. I'm like, you know, like be as fucking dickish as you want. Do all the other shit. Like just watch your words. I mean, it's not that hard to not use the words that you're already not using now. I mean, uh, going forward, this is the thing that I really want to emphasize for us, for our listeners. When people complain about cancel culture, don't use the word cancel culture. Like, do you have an issue with accountability? And if when people complain about PC culture, that's the conversation. Like, you hate respect? You have an issue with Mm. respect? And that's where we started. I mean, there needs to be a real conversation because right now the conversation is from a place of bad faith. It's a disingenuous conversation. It's done by a select number of people who are trying to convince everyone else. And everyone else is scared because what if I get canceled? What if I get caught up in PC culture? And so they think it's in their benefit to agree with them. It's not. So I think we need to make Mm -hmm. a concerted effort to address this more honestly and openly. Be like, look, there's a a problem here. And the the problem is that uh, you guys don't know what PC culture or cancel culture really is. It's about yeah. respect. It's about accountability. That's it. That's where it comes yeah. down to. And I think that's what we should leave it. It's a, This was a kind of robust conversation, a little bit more uh, debate-oriented, which is kind of nice. It's a it's nice change to have some minor disagreement, not full-on disagreement, some minor disagreements. We can't always agree. Um, and nice to mm-hmm. get multiple sides of this and multiple opinions of this conversation. Let us know what your thoughts are about this. We kind of dived a little bit into Gamergate. We didn't want to go too much into it because we've done it before, um, but there's also other angles to discuss. But let us know what your thoughts are about cancel culture and what we've discussed here. Diz will let you know how you can do that. Yes, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash currently nerdy on Twitter at currently nerdy, Instagram at currently nerdy, uh, Tumblr, currently nerdy.tumblr.com, YouTube, youtube.com slash currently nerdy. We're on Stitcher, Google Play, and the Apple Podcast app. Um, hopefully that's where you're listening to us from. And uh, if you are, make sure you're subscribed to us. Um, and give us a five-star rating in a review if you haven't. And make sure your friends subscribe to us. Share our podcast with three of your friends this weekend. And be like, hey, you know, cancel culture isn't a thing. And then share this. Make that the share dare this weekend. All right? Um, if you want to get a hold of us individually, you can. V, how can they get a hold of you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at VTran214. That's V-Y-T-R-A-N-214 on my website, thesandwichslayer.com. Believe you can catch me on my website at alialomi.com uh, or on Instagram and Twitter at A-A-O-L-O-M-I. Uh, got some really cool, interesting uh, tweet threads coming up, uh, so be sure to check them out. Or on our sister podcast, Head on History. Diz. You can find me everywhere at Dizbulla, D-I-Z-B-U-L-L-A-H. For everyone here at Currently Nerdy, thank you for tuning in. And remember, stay smart, sexy nerds. All hail the Currently Nerdy Empire.